Before we get started, I want to quickly tell you about my brand new quiz, What Season Are You? It's a quiz that is kind of like the Enneagram, and it kind of involves a little bit of minimalism and Huga, and it's a great way to find out what your strengths and weaknesses are, and then how to use those strengths and weaknesses to thrive all year long, which takes me to the best part. Once you finish the quiz and you get your results, it'll tell you by percentages, which seasons fit your personality best, and then you'll be able to download a free year-long thrive guide that will share with you how to use those strengths and weaknesses all year long, no matter the season. So even if you're not a huge fan of winter or summer feels too hot for you, you'll be able to utilize all of the things that are your best traits and have fun all year long, no matter how you feel about the season. So to download that guide and take the quiz, first of all, you can head to ashtoncope.com slash season quiz. And then I want you to head to Instagram and let me know what season you got because everyone that I have talked to so far that took it said, I don't know that I love this answer because I hate this season, but the results are super, super accurate. (laughs) So even if you may not love winter, you might have a winter personality. So head to ashtoncope.com slash season quiz to take it and then let me know what you get. I can't wait to find out. Hello, friend. I'm Ashton Cope. I absolutely love food, eating, cooking, and most of all, talking about it. I've also always been so drawn and fascinated by the changing of the seasons and how it can affect our lives. A couple of years ago, I decided to start approaching our meals and routines from a seasonal perspective, and through plenty of trial and error, my family's life has changed for the better, and we're never looking back. My mission is to help you tune into the seasons in your own way, embrace the change, and love yourself a little more through the process. This is the Eat Your Seasons podcast. I cannot even begin to convey how excited I am that this baby podcast of mine has made it to a new year. This is going to be a huge year for us. I can just feel it. And I've been slowly letting myself dream about what it could look like throughout this year. And the reason that I say slowly letting myself dream is that the Enneagram 7 in me has a tendency to skip all of the small steps and only focus on the exciting, the fancy, shiny, big pictures and my imagination can get away from me pretty fast. I end up spiraling into this weird cycle of like excitement for what could be, and then at the same time, like crippling fear and paralysis, because honestly, I can't even fathom all the little steps that are needed to get to those big pictures. It's honestly wild. But this is the absolute perfect segue to our topic today, how to set goals you can actually stick to. It is so easy to set intentions for the year and feel like this will be your year and you're going to make all those lifestyle changes and be a totally different person at the end of this year. But I want to gently remind you that you could make every change in the world and you will still be the same person that you are now on December 31st. And that's a good thing. You are amazing exactly as you are. I promise. 
So I do not subscribe to making huge life overhauls, which if you've been listening for a while, you've heard me say quite a bit now. And if you're just tuning in for the first time, you can check out episode seven, six ways seasonal living makes my life simpler and less stressful, where I share more about my feelings on that. But while I don't subscribe to huge lifestyle overhauls and trying to completely change who you are as a human, I absolutely love small actions to improve the person that you are and the life that you have now. Small actions are much easier to forgive yourself for if you fall off track a little bit. Missing one small action doesn't throw off your whole routine and create a cycle of shame and self-loathing. So what I mean by that is think of the last time that you decided to start a health and fitness routine. You were only going to eat clean and you were going to work out at least 30 minutes a day. And if you slipped up and ate something processed and you didn't get that workout in, you beat yourself up so much. So often too, it can end up halting your entire health journey altogether. You end up thinking, Well, I missed it, and I'll probably miss tomorrow, so why do I even bother? But what if you were only taking small actions? Things like being intentional with what food you eat, prioritizing the ones that will give you the most energy, or being active in some way every day. Whether that's chasing your kids outside, or walking the dog, or a quick trip to the gym. If you miss one of those you have the opportunity to get creative the next day. But chances are, if you missed something as simple as what I just mentioned, you were so busy that your body did move that day. Maybe you were cleaning or you were running errands. Did you know that spending an hour in the grocery store walking around can get you up to 6,000 steps? That's exactly why I love small actions. Because rather than self-loathing and shame going into this vicious cycle, you can instead get into a cycle of thinking back over your day and remembering all the different ways that you cared for your body. Sheesh, for me, I'm proud of myself for just drinking water when I was thirsty and limiting my caffeine. You'd think that's like a no-brainer, but for me, that can be really hard. So how does this all tie into the process of setting goals that we can stick to? It is this. Choosing smaller goals that you can realistically reach is a great way to build momentum and confidence in yourself to chase larger ones. Have you ever heard of SMART goals, S-M-A-R-T goals? I think I tried to quote this in a previous episode and I totally slaughtered it. So I actually Googled what it stands for this time. SMART goals stands for specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-related. And there's some discrepancies. Some people have similar but different words for some of these, but that's the ones I found and that's how I'm going to break it down. So let's break it down. I've heard it explained for achieving business goals and professional goals, but let's today talk about how to make it so simple that you're probably already doing this even a little bit now, which spoiler, that will give you the gumption to keep doing this and do it even better this year. 
So setting specific goals. In order to set a SMART goal, it first needs to be specific. So that means rather than saying, I want to live a healthier lifestyle this year, you need to state exactly what that will look like. So you could say, I am going to limit fast food, drink a gallon of water a day, and get 5,000 steps in. And if you get to work out and eat healthy on top of that, awesome. But as we'll discuss in the achievable category, we need to set ourselves up for success. So what is a measurable goal? A measurable goal is one that has results that you will be able to point out at the end because you set the parameters for it. My Google search explained it as a goal that suggests an indicator of progress. So for you, maybe you have a goal of being a more patient parent moving forward. Being a more patient parent doesn't have any way of measuring that. So instead, you could say, this week I'm going to excuse myself and take deep breaths 10 times whenever I'm getting heated and want to yell. You could even make a chart where you mark it off so that you can see your achievements tangibly. And we're going to talk more about like habit tracking later. And if your house is anything like mine, you could make that number bigger if you wanted to, since you'll probably reach 10 by noon on Monday. Or you can continue to set that goal every time you've completed the 10, maybe increasing the number as you go. That makes it measurable. Now, how to achieve or how to set an achievable goal. The A stood for achievable, and an achievable goal is also known as an attainable goal, or even more simply put, a realistic goal. Setting lofty goals for yourself is great until it comes time to tackle them. And if they're not something that you can realistically accomplish, then you've just tortured and punished yourself for absolutely no reason. You've essentially set yourself up for failure. So to set an achievable goal, you need to ask yourself these questions. What do I have the capacity for right now? Is this the right priority or am I just hyper fixating on this problem right now? Will this goal align with the rest of my lifestyle? If you can answer those three questions confidently and that goal still feels right, then it sounds like a good fit. It's always best to set some smaller goals for the near future that add up to one larger one so that you've already got your map drawn and you can move forward reaching one goal at a time and building your momentum and confidence in yourself along the way. That will help keep imposter syndrome at bay too, which is so important. Relevant goals. So what makes a goal relevant? I actually wondered that myself when I was preparing for this episode. So here's the Google definition. A relevant goal should align with your values and long-term objectives. To me, that felt a little vague. So I thought about it more and I feel like a relevant goal should, yes, of course, it should line up with your values and your long-term hopes and dreams. But more specifically and presently, It should align with your priorities in life right now. If your main priority right now is being a more patient and present parent, then maybe that side goal of getting fit should not stir you to purchase a gym membership. 
If your main priority is to nurture your relationships with your friends and your spouse, maybe setting a goal of not yelling at your kids isn't the right one for you at this time, which it's always good to not yell at your kids. So that's not what I'm getting at here. But if you're in a place where you need to prioritize your own health, both physically and mentally, then maybe setting a goal of one date night per month isn't the right goal for you at this time. I want to be super clear here that none of the goals that I just listed are wrong or bad. Those are incredible goals to set. And maybe later this year, they will be the perfect goal for you to set. But if that goal doesn't align with your priority, then it's probably not the right goal to set at present. Now, quickly, I want to just say that What I just said is exactly why I feel like New Year's resolutions are so problematic. They are a recipe for disaster when it comes to our own self-confidence and respect and certainly damaging to our mental health. Setting one huge lofty goal for an entire year, 365 days, is a totally counterproductive way to try and improve ourselves. First of all, who of us can say that we're the same person and want all of the exact same things we wanted a year ago, a month ago, even a week ago? We evolve and grow every day. And so often, as time goes on, our perspective and priorities get clearer. So this is why small, time-sensitive goals are so effective. We can set a goal for who we are right now. And we can let who we are in the future determine that right next move for us. Chances are pretty good that us in the future knows a lot better than us right now. So speaking of time sensitive, um, T stands for time related. So a time related goal is a goal that has an end date or time so that we have a deadline to reach our goal by. Otherwise, we can tend to procrastinate if we feel like we have all the time in the world. Guilty. A time-related goal could look like you saying, I'm going to go to the gym three times this week, or maybe three times a week every week this month. This is especially important for the smaller goals you set that will add up to that main priority. It can get super easy to lose focus or conviction in our goals when we don't have a time limit. We can end up feeling like we're on a never-ending hamster wheel with no way to finish or achieve or win. We can start to wonder, what's even the point? Because we have no marking point that tells us where we're at in our achievements. Now, speaking of achievements, this brings me to a goal representation method that I want to share with you that I recently heard about from a friend, and then I've started seeing it a ton on social media. It's kind of like when you purchase a car, and before you purchased that car, you'd never seen it on the road, and you thought you were so unique for picking out that car, and then the second you get on the road with it, suddenly everyone and their brother has that same car. Yeah, it's been like that. So this method that I was recently put onto is not new. We have been using it with our kids for literal decades. Schools use it all the time. Sales teams use it frequently. And even charities and donation-based organizations often use it. This is the method of a physical representation of how much you have accomplished towards your goal. So like I said, schools use it. 
Recently, I noticed in my daughter's school, they have jars with clear plastic counting chips in them. Each jar represents a different grade, and the chips represent all of the good deeds and positive behavior from the students in that grade. Each student also has their own chip container for individual good deeds performed, and they can cash those chips in for prizes. But those bigger jars, those are for each grade to try to fill their jar first, and then when they fill theirs first, they get to choose a special opportunity that benefits the whole school. I've heard that they've had a movie day with popcorn, a school-wide pajama day, or a dance party. And for sales teams and charities, they often use this method in the form of a whiteboard with a progress bar that they color in as they earn more money toward their overall goal. This way, they can see how close they are to their goal amount and how much more they need to push to earn the rest. For my friend, though, he was trying to increase his consistency with reading his Bible. His goal was to read the Bible and meditate on it every single day. And every time that he made it through a portion of the Bible and meditated on it, even if it was for 10 minutes, he would add a popcorn kernel to the jar. And what's great about this is that it motivated him to read consistently so that he could add that kernel for the day. And then it gave him the confidence in his own ability to stick to a goal by physically seeing how consistent he had already been. And this is actually a proven way to stick to your goals. So Forbes published an article about the best habit tracking apps. And in it, they quoted a licensed professional counselor named Kendall Roach. And that's what they call this, by the way. They call it habit tracking. According to Kendall, habit tracking uses a tracking method to motivate people to do things they want to do. She explained that this could apply to either stopping bad habits or establishing new healthy ones. Research even suggests that if you consistently keep up with your new habits, within 10 weeks, it can become an automatic behavior, and you may perform them without even thinking, like you're building muscle memory with every positive move you make. Habit tracking, or goal tracking, has numerous health benefits, too. So the article in Forbes mentioned these few. The first one is increasing automaticity. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Tracking can encourage you to perform a certain habit repeatedly. Research has shown that habit repetition increases automaticity. And if you're building a positive habit, the more you practice the behavior, the easier it becomes to continue the habit without thinking or planning. And that's what automaticity means. When a habit becomes automatic, motivational conflicts reduce, like such as distracting thoughts, and this thus increases your commitment to whatever habit you're building. Second is encouraging mindfulness and self-reflection. Habit tracking helps you be fully present, bringing your attention to the things you do. This gives room to think about your behavior and the reasons behind it. When we engage in a habit over and over again, we tend not to notice the conditions that promote the behavior. And that's a quote from Sarvanaz Saperi, who is a licensed clinical psychologist in Sacramento. They said tracking our habits encourages us to self-reflect on a deeper level. 
If you're trying to quit your smoking habit and you discover that you're more successful at abstaining on weekends than weekdays, that's a useful data point to look at more closely. Why are weekends easier than weekdays? What can you do to recreate similar conditions that will help you abstain during the week? Third is providing visual cues. Building a new habit can be challenging, but it gets easier when you have reminders to keep you on task. Logging your activities in a tracker can remind you that something needs to be done. According to a study in the British Journal of Psychology, people who linked their behavior to a daily routine or a specific time saw positive improvements in habit formation. And fourth was increasing motivation. Habit tracking also helps motivate change. Just like the star charts that they once did for us in elementary school, they provide positive reinforcement by checking off and tracking our progress. So Forbes finished out their article by saying this, research shows that progress is a powerful driving force. A study in Harvard Business Review analyzed 238 individuals using an end-of-day email survey consisting of 12,000 daily entries over four months. The results indicate that participants were most motivated and showed positive emotions on days they made even a little bit of progress at work. Tracking your habits and seeing continual improvements can motivate you to keep working towards your goal. So the thing about SMART goals is that you can absolutely have one quality without the other, and you could potentially still accomplish great things. Sure, you can have a specific goal that isn't measurable, or you can have an achievable goal that isn't relevant. You could have a goal that is all five and not track your habits. But the reason that I wanted to dive into this with you today is because I want you to make it as easy on yourself as possible to be successful. Using this SMART, S-M-A-R-T acronym as a good measuring stick for the goals you want to set is a great way to decide if it's the right goal for right now, if it's going to be possible with who you are and where you're at right now, and if it's specific and time-based enough for you to measure and track along the way so that you're not spinning your wheels and wrecking your confidence in yourself. We want to have as many quick, easy wins as possible, especially in the beginning when we're flexing health and habit muscles that we've never used before or maybe haven't exercised in a long time. And I mean that both literally and figuratively. Setting smaller goals you can crush that culminate into one bigger goal or priority provides you the stepping stones you need to not get overwhelmed and paralyzed to even start or burnt out because you took on too much right from the beginning. So what's your priority this year and how can you set small goals that will add up to greatness? Well, that is it for me. (laughs) I have adored diving into this topic with you today. I'm secretly an absolute geek for self-improvement, so this was so fun. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Eat Your Seasons podcast. And if you'd like to support me on this podcast, I would be so, so grateful if you went into Apple Podcasts and left me a review. 
It takes five minutes or less, and it really is how other women like you can find my show and tune in. Screenshot your review and share it to your story on Instagram and then tag me so that I can thank you properly. And then I'll read your review in a future episode. Until next time, enjoy this season and all the eats it has to offer. We made it. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Eat Your Seasons podcast. I am so thrilled and honored that you spent your precious time with me and I can't wait to serve you more and more each week. Is this show speaking your language? Be sure to leave a review so more moms like you can find me and tune in every single week. If you'd like even more meal inspiration and seasonal living goodies, be sure to find me on Instagram at Ashton Cope, where I share it all. For all the freebies and referral codes from today's sponsors, you can head on over to ashtoncopeblog.com slash podcast. I will see you there.